values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, happy Friday. Thanks for being here. I want to remind everybody, it's Triple Match Friday. It's our final day of our give for Phoenix Children's. 602-933-4567. 602-933-4567. Every donation you make all day long gets tripled to get us to that final number that happens this afternoon. So thank you in advance for donating. Uh, one of my favorite things to talk about is the game of football. I'm a Cardinal season ticket holder, and anytime we get a chance to talk to Michael Bidwill, we take advantage of it. He joins us now. Michael, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Mike. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, before we get into the season, uh, you guys just did a press release and a big announcement that I know is very special to you. You want to tell everybody what it is? Yes. Uh, on September 11th, week one of the regular season, when we host the Kansas City Chiefs at halftime, we're going to induct my father, Bill Bidwell, into our Cardinals Ring of Honor. And we couldn't be more thrilled. My father had an eight-decade uh, association with the Cardinals, uh, all the way from being a ball boy uh, as a teenager, uh, growing up around the organization. And then in his 30s, he joined the team as an executive and became controlling owner and uh, ran the team and you know throughout his lifetime and throughout his career he did so many great things not only for the game of football uh, but for diversity equity and inclusion Uh, he was a leader in so many different ways and the game we know today was really made it was a series of decisions made over decades my father was a part of every one of those decisions negotiations and things like that for literally decades and the, the game of football and the National Football League are strong because of owners from decades ago making great decisions about shared revenue and about how the, the business structure and, and uh, how the league uh, would would operate. And so uh, we're all the beneficiaries of it as fans, and um, we're excited to put him into the ring of honor. He joins his father, Charles Bidwell, who bought the team uh, 90 years ago, uh, at, who was also in the ring of honor, and uh, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame as one of the owners that really kept the, the league together uh, in the 30s after the Great Depression and during the Great Depression, but also uh, during World War II as well when uh, teams really struggled. I moved here in 1995 and uh, became a Cardinals fan. I'm a homer for all the teams here, but a Cardinals fan and a season ticket holder. But in the community, people would always talk about your father as being such a pillar in the community and such a benevolent man. And you've carried that on yourself with Cardinals Charities and I know your own personal uh, donations to worthwhile causes. That's something I think he'll be remembered for as well in this community is what a great giver he was, a benevolent man in the community. Spot on, Mike. And he he not only was uh, a contributor with with his uh, treasure, but also he spent a lot of time with with folks. And um, and I know a lot of our season ticket members got to know him pretty well because when we did the seat relocation in 2006, before we moved into State Farm Stadium, uh, all of the season ticket holders were invited to come down to the Cardinals training facility and uh, participate in the. Um, their selection of which seats they'd have in the new stadium. And my father was one of, uh, he he loved doing this, but he would uh, stay in the lobby and meet each one of these fans as they came through that we had a series of 20 minute appointments and we'd have waves of fans coming every 20 minutes. There'd be a new group of fans as we processed all these seat relocations. And so a lot of our fans still come up to me today and say, your father helped me pick my seats and I still have them. And he was right. So it's, it's, uh, 
uh, it's really heartwarming to hear those stories. Well, isn't that funny? Because I don't know if you remember this or not. You helped me pick my seats when I bought my season tickets. <laughs> That's right. I remember. So, yeah. And thank you for being a season ticket member. It's it's going to be an exciting year. It is. Let's talk about the season that's coming up. What, what, you know, always the goal is playoffs and the Super Bowl. But when you look at this team, uh, what are the goals that you see week one? What are what are the Cardinals going to be this year that everybody needs to know? Well, I think, you know, when we look back at last year, we were uh, the hottest team in the NFL and uh, started out 7-0. I think we took people by surprise. We have a dynamic offense when, when all cylinders are hitting on uh, uh, and we're going. Um, we we ended up, you know, not finishing strong. Injuries uh, and, and things just gathered up. And so in the offseason, we did a lot of things to sort of change things up and make sure we don't have that happen again this year. So uh, I think Coach Kingsbury has got the, the players ready. Uh, you could see it from last week's preseason game, how well they played. I think Steve Kimes done an amazing job with draft and also with the trade to get Marquise Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals. And um, I think we've just strengthened on both the offense and the defense, uh, both sides of the ball. We're not done yet. I know he's, uh, he's Steve Kimes is still continuing to work on the roster, and there'll be some changes here over the next few weeks as, as we see final cutdowns and the final roster come together on the 53-man roster. Well, you know, whether it's high school football, college football, professional football, that locker room matters so much, that team mentality. You've got a lot of great leaders on the team, J.J. Watt being one of the ones that sticks out to me. What is the leadership like on this team? Is the locker room as solid as you'd want it to be? Yes, and it continues to grow. I mean, uh, and throughout the off season and the summer and training camp, Kyler Murray's been mm. incredible, amazing, and you saw it last weekend in some of the camera shots. But we've seen it every day. Uh, he's he's really growing into the the role of the, of the quarterback leader that this team needs. Uh, people and the team or his teammates are rallying around him. We've got uh, on that side of the ball. You've got DeAndre Hopkins. You've got AJ Green. You've got Hollywood Brown. You've got James Conner. Uh, DJ Humphreys, uh, Kelvin Beecham, um, Rodney uh, uh, Hudson up up in the center. I mean, there's so many leaders on offense. And you flip to the other side of the ball. You mentioned JJ Watt, and I shouldn't even, I shouldn't leave out Zach Ertz. This right. offense as well. Another great great leader. But on the on the defensive side of the ball, the same thing. And it starts our, the heartbeat of our defense really starts with Buda Baker and what he brings in terms of intensity. I think we've got uh, two of the best safeties in the National Football league and our defensive line we've strengthened we've got a lot of young rotational players that that have really grown in and, and have had tremendous off seasons and so we're we're very much looking forward to to lining up week one but obviously sunday night we're going to be um hosting the baltimore ravens on sunday night football it's the first of uh, about uh, five nationally televised games but it feels like more because um you know we we could be flexing in later in the season uh uh, to others, and so we've got a lot of a lot of love from the schedule makers. They know we're going to be a good team, and um, and CBS just announced the other day that Jim Nance and Tony Romo are going to be calling the CBS game week one against Kansas City. So we think that's another great sign that the CBS obviously believes this is a, a great organization, and, and we're we're excited for uh, showing off the team to the to the world. You know, it seems like every year that you work very hard at the fan experience inside the stadium. It's one of the reasons why I love being a season ticket holder, that in-game experience, and you've really worked hard to make sure that that experience gets better every year. What, what, are they, what can we expect this year? 
Well, it all goes back to the timing is really around. We all know that we're hosting Super Bowl 57 in February. And so we want to make sure we did a lot of um, uh, upgrades, and we do them every year. But when we look back, since the last Super Bowl, we've we've put $150 million into State Farm Stadium. This year, the two most obvious things that fans are going to see inside the stadium, it's going to be the new scoreboard in the north end zone, which is 44% larger, uh, as well as, um, you know, we went from 400,000 pixels up to about 3.3 million pixels. The clarity is just state-of-the-art. And so I think it's really going to enhance the fan experience. We've got some other video improvements that we've made. But outside the stadium, we're just finishing up over the next month the uh, sports book, the BetMGM sports book, which will be open for the first regular season game. And uh, so we're very excited about that. And, and that's going to be a very visible addition outside and enhance that pregame experience. But also year-round, it's going to be open seven days a week. Well, I appreciate you coming on this morning. And congratulations on the induction of your father into the Ring of Honor. I know it's got to be very a proud moment for you as well. And uh, we appreciate you coming on. And I hope you'll come on again during the season. Absolutely. Anytime, Mike. I look forward to it. And uh, let's go Cardinals. Let's go Cardinals. Thanks. That is Michael Bidwell, the the uh, president and the owner of the Arizona Cardinals, your Arizona Cardinals. I'm such a big fan. Um, so it's great to talk with him and it should be a great season coming up. In a moment, uh, we are going to talk about what I'm going to just do one of those I told you so's for a Friday, how, where I agree with the energy secretary. That's coming up in just a moment. <laughs> Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Um, You know me. I'm not one to say I told you so. But, you know, I told you so. Let's start here with this headline. The Energy Secretary says billions in upgrades to power grid needed for widespread EV adoption. That's electric vehicles. Um, I have been harping on this for such a long time as they are pushing people and forcing people in some people's minds into electric vehicles with the high gas prices and the things that are going on. And for those of you that are that, that are continuing with the rhetoric that the president of the United States does not control oil prices, you are 100 percent right in that. There's absolutely no doubt. But they do control policies. So another headline, U.S. Circuit Court ruling clears Biden administration's executive order pausing new oil and gas leases. So they don't have to give out gas leases and oil leases anymore. Um, so there are hindrances. There are things that you can do to make it more difficult for an industry. And that's what's happened here. But let's go back to the electrical grid idea. Have you not seen the pictures, electric vehicles and public charging stations? Have you not seen, it's like a gas line. When you have long gas lines, people are upset. We've had them in the 1970s. There have been pipeline issues here in Arizona for a short time where there were gas lines as well. And it's frustrating because fuel, you need the fuel to get to everywhere you need to go. Well, if you have an electric vehicle and there are people lined up for charging stations, it's frustrating. It is a frustrating thing and that's what's happening. We are way ahead of where we need to be. And as I explained and have explained in the past with my experience in the industry from a smaller scale, for me, an electrical grid could be for just in a, in a single building or a complex. 
And you, um, I'm not a designer, although I have designed systems up to 600 amps for buildings because that was the cap because of my licensing. Um, you have to make, you take precautions for growth. And you got to factor that in there, that it may grow and it may expand, but not to the degree it's going to take private industry. If you own a condominium complex, an apartment complex, and you're renting to people, and we start moving to EVs like this, how in the world does an apartment complex, even at a 50% capacity, how do they bear the expense of installing charging stations in an apartment complex? And what strain does that put on just that building's electrical system? What kind of an upgrade to their entire electrical system do they have to put in in order to make that happen? And these are real questions that are not just being asked in this town. It's across this country. And as for what the federal government wants to do, even at the most ambitious plan that says they want to expand EVs into rural areas or charging stations into rural areas, you're talking the better part of a decade to get something like that done minimum. And that's not even including the grid upgrades that have to happen. So if you think about it on your home, uh, the home I, I bought was built in 1955. When I bought it, it had a 100-amp electrical service on the side of it because people didn't have many electrical appliances. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have, in many cases, you know, an electric range, which is a 50-amp receptacle, 50 amps. On a 100 amp service. So it was, you know, 1955, a 100 amp service was sufficient. When I bought the home, the first thing I did was upgrade the electrical system in my house to a 200 amp service. Actually, it's 225 amp service. So I doubled the capacity on my home. And it's an expensive proposition, but it was a necessary one. And that's just a single home. Now imagine complexes and building complexes and office complexes. What about hotels? What about the resorts? What about people doing a staycation that are driving EVs? These are the issues that everybody – you don't think about on the front end because you think about your house. Okay, listen. We're going to put one of these – we're going to get an electric vehicle. We're going to put a charger in the garage. We're going to tie it to the system in our home. Our home's built for that. We're going to add it in our garage. going to be a little bit of an expense. We're going to save a ton of money on gas. Now, you think in your neighborhood from the time when air conditioning became a thing, how long did it take to upgrade the electrical grid around the state of Arizona when everybody had an air conditioner? Now, what do you do when people are going to have charging stations for their EVs? This is going to be an expensive, time-consuming proposition that isn't going to happen overnight. It's going to cost every one of us as taxpayers to have it happen to begin with. But the forcing people into EVs with high gas prices is killing people. And I warned people that this was coming. And it's here. Now the energy secretary is talking about it. So keep your eye on this. This is a story that is going to it's going to morph. It's not going to go away. It's only going to come even become a bigger part of this whole issue of how we go to electric vehicles. You'll see. And I'm not saying we're not going to eventually pushing it in that direction and putting the cart before the horse is where the problem lies. In a moment, more great stories from the Giveathon and your chance to donate during Triple Match Friday is coming up. The Giveathon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Auction Indian community. KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Giveathon on the Mike Broomhead Show. 
Hey, a big thank you to all of you that have donated so graciously and, and, and this week. It is an amazing experience. We are on the final day of the Giveathon, and the good news is it is Triple Match Friday. So if you've been considering donating and you haven't yet, every dollar you donate during the shows today is tripled. So the phone number, the Desert Financial Phone Bank, 602-933-4567, 602-933-4567, or text GIVE. To um, 411923. We couldn't do this without you, and we couldn't do it without the great po- corporate par- partnerships and companies and businesses that have jumped on board. So I want you to hear another one. This is a check presentation from RSMUS LLP. I'm Jeremy Henson. And I'm Robert Dunn. And we're both from RSM. We're proud to present this check for $10,000 to support Phoenix Children's Hospital. This is our sixth year supporting the hospital. And on behalf of our over 200 employees in Arizona, we are a proud sponsor of Phoenix Children's Hospital. I know a lot of our employees have benefited from the services of Phoenix Children's, and we're just happy to continue our support. Join RSM and help Phoenix Children's Hospital raise $2 million by dialing the phone bank at 602-933-4567. Yeah, it's, a, a, it's great to partner with such great companies and individuals and people just like you. And the reason why we are doing this are because of these children and because of their families and the great medical staff that impacts their lives every single day. So it's time for another one of our stories of hope presented by Madame Home. In September of 2019, Jason was a student at Brophy, and uh, he collapsed during a basketball practice and was completely unresponsive. His mother, Dee, and his father, Chris, and Jason talk about that fateful day and what was to come in his Phoenix children's journey. This is Jason's story. Getting a call from the school when you see that pop up on your phone, uh, middle of the day or the afternoon, it always takes a pause. So my husband, he simultaneously was getting a phone call from the police officer that had hopped in the ambulance with Jason. But as we started driving down and discussing what was going on, we started to, I think, get a little bit more panicked. My husband went to park the car and I, I ran in. At that point, that instinct kicked in that something wasn't right. And that's when we found Jason, you know, getting treatment by multiple people. There were first responders standing over him, the emergency room staff. Due to the amount of people in the room, it was it instantly caught you as, wow, this is this is serious. It, it, it was it was frightening. But Chris and I knew to stay calm because we knew that he was in the right place and the experts were taking care of him. Jason had collapsed at practice, that they had gotten to the scene, that an AED had been administered. For that to be administered, we now know the heart must be stopped. Uh, I do remember just waking up in the hospital bed and I was confused. Uh, My mom mentioned to me that I actually thought I was in the hospital because of COVID. I didn't know what had happened to me. It's like my brain just completely forgot about everything that day. But the overall experience from the emergency room to the ICU, it, it, it was absolutely incredible and exactly what you would want. And when we did get introduced to the Dr. Franklin, Dr. Velez duo, um, the A-team, we had no idea, again, being in it, that we had, you know, the MDPs of, of you know, the surgical and um, clinical team. You know, everything from them drawing us pictures, you know, asking, answering our questions as things were unfolding. They were so patient, um, but that's the type of doctors and surgeons 
surgeons that we dealt with who, no matter how long their day was, was making sure we as patients were seen and heard. Um, and that was important. You know, we were scared once we started to get more information um, because of the unknowns of Jason's recovery. As the days turn into multiple days and move on, you know, Jason went in and he had a surgery approximately a week, a week later. So spending time at BCH around the clock and, and, and they do a really good job. They become your family because you, you don't leave and you're there nonstop. I can't be, have enough gratitude and be thankful enough to the folks that gave us care. The ICU director stayed. I checked in with her at night, you know, just walking to get a cup of coffee and said hello to her and said thank you for a stat. She knew that Jason was did well and he was checking out of the ICU after his open heart surgery. She smiled. She said, I'm so happy for you because not everyone gets the outcomes. Because we are, we're very fortunate. Jason has a very, very great, and we were very fortunate for his outcome. And, and she was another person that just, her, it was so grateful for the staff and the standards that they maintained for themselves in that hospital. It, it was remarkable. Wow, what an incredible institution you'll find yourself in when if, if you receive care or ever need to attend PCH for any reason. just another family that have been so impacted by Phoenix Children's Hospital. It's why we're doing this. It's why we're raising awareness and raising money for such a great place. These families should be able to convalesce and these doctors and nurses and medical staff should be able to work without the concern of finances. It costs about $2.7 million a day to operate this hospital and we can impact that in, in our own special way. Right now is your opportunity. It is Triple Match Friday. Every dollar that you donate right now is tripled thanks to the people at the Valley Hunt dealers. It's Triple Match Friday. So please, if you've been waiting to give or if you haven't yet and you would like to, every dollar you donate is going to be tripled. It is a fantastic way to donate to a great cause and stand with these families and let them know we are with them as they go through this journey that is so difficult for so many of those families. That is the Train Teddy Bear Express, which means you could be a champion of hope right now. $20 a month, $240 for the year. That $20 a month turns into $60 because of Triple Match Friday. So I'm going to say to all of you out there, there's many of you that have worn the Broomhead Action Alliance and gone and volunteered at the food uh, the phone bank. We love that. And I want to thank you for all of that. If you are part of the Action Alliance or anybody else out there, now is your time to jump on board. I'd love to get just 25 of you to donate. That would make it 75 in the long run because it's going to be tripled. 602-933-4567. That's 602-933-4567. Become a champion of hope. Not only are you going to have a bear donated in your name, but you also will receive a choice of a kid's pass at the Wildlife World Zoo or a cobblestone car wash. It's a great way for them to thank you for your kindness and benevolence as well. It is an amazing chance that we have to give in our community. Coming up in a moment, a moment of confusion at the southern border. What is that mean? Well, I'll tell you coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. 
thanks for being here. I appreciate you spending some time with us on the show on this Friday. On this Triple Match Friday, you'll have a chance all day long to donate to Phoenix Children's and the Giveathon and triple your donation. Thanks to the kindness of the people at your Valley Hyundai dealers. Uh, we have to talk about the border. I want to start with this. Um, I have, I have, I've been to Mexico, but it's been a very, very long time since I've been. I know that there are many people here that own property or own businesses down in Puerto Panasco, Rocky Point. Um, I know that. Um, and so I'm not criticizing anyone, but there has to be, we have to talk about what's happening to the nation as a whole. They are our neighbors to the south. They're Arizona's number one trading partner. And the cartels are doing to Mexico what the cartels in the, the you know, the Cali cartel and the Medellin cartel, what they did to Colombia back in the 80s and 90s. We are seeing the same transformation. And, and if you aren't a, a historian of this, if you don't realize this, if you haven't watched the documentaries, the reason why it was such an interesting thing to me was I grew up in South Florida in the 80s. And I remember, you know, I remember watching the difference for the DEA when it was marijuana and bales of marijuana on speedboats being thrown over the side as they ran from, from you know, the Coast Guard or other boats to cocaine, which was much smaller and easier to, to, to transport and a lot more expensive. And the cartels exploded in size and in power, not just in political power with bribery, but within physical brute force power with the firearms and the armies that they built, Pablo Escobar and what he did. So I, I'm prefacing this by saying I am not criticizing the entire nation of Mexico, certainly not the Americans that own property and businesses that feel safe down in Puerto Panasco. The United States State Department has now put out a warning for U.S. travelers of kidnapping risks in the nation of Mexico. This is the growth and the power of the cartels. That's the growth and power. Here's a headline. Mexico's citizens caught in a crossfire as cartels launch attacks across the country. I say this to get to the next one. Um, what we have that's happened um, is that uh, there was a border crossing that was locked um, This uh, in Texas. So the Texas National Guard had been, has been deployed to the southern border. Governor Abbott is furious after watching a video because there is a gate that was locked by the Texas National Guard at the border to keep people out. This video captured by Fox, National, Fox News National Correspondent shows the National Guard closing and locking a gate that what is described as a major crossing area in Eagle Pass, Texas. A short time thereafter, the Border Patrol came with a key. And let them in for processing. So it is one thing to have a policy to not slow down the to slow down the you know the tide of people that are coming here. It is a completely different thing to open the gate for them. And wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree that opening the gate to allow people to come into the country is is aiding them? It's not just allowing them. There's a difference. There is a difference between allowing someone to do something and helping someone do something. Even in the eyes of the law, you know, if you're going to be an accessory to a crime, it, it, it's uh, you're facilitating it in a way. So I start off with the kidnapping thing, not because I believe that the people crossing the border are all kidnappers and violent are going to come here. Some of them are. Some of them are violent by choice. Some of them are violent um, because they don't have the money to pay off their debt. And if they don't do what the cartels tell them to do, they're going to be killed and so will their family. 
So some of them are coerced into the drug trafficking or the human trafficking, the sex trafficking. But we know that it's being controlled by the cartels. And we are getting close to a tipping point with the cartels. The cartels use violence and intimidation to get their way. They do it with the neighborhoods they are in. They do it with local law enforcement, and they are now doing it with the federal government in Mexico. A destabilized Mexico, first of all, is bad for our neighbors to the south. We have um, – and for anybody that's vacationing in Arizona that uh, that believes that there is this adversarial relationship between uh, the Mexican people or their government, especially in the government and the people of Arizona, it's absolutely not true. They are our number one trading partner. And whether it's it's agriculture or it's water or it's goods and services, whatever it is, we have had a healthy, vibrant relationship with the Mexican people and their government for a very, very, very long time. And it needs to remain that way. But an unstable, a destabilized Mexico is bad for everyone in America. It's certainly bad for the border states as violence has spilled over. The cartel violence last weekend spilled over into the U.S. It is something we have to address. So not only is this administration turning a blind eye to what's happening at the border, at least according to this video in Eagle Pass, Texas, they're helping. I mean, if the National Guard puts a lock on a gate and the Border Patrol shows up with a key and opens the gate and lets people cross for processing, there's one thing to say, remain in Mexico, and we're not going to do that anymore. And the other is, we're going to open the gates so that they can come in. It's, it's different. It is much different. And, and this is, I, I think, crosses a line for so many. It is still such an important issue. And I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know what the, um, what the attitudes are nationally. I just know in Arizona it's such a big issue because so many people here cross into Mexico and spend time there that own property, own businesses in Mexico, and they love it. It, it is a beautiful place. But when it's so unsafe and the cartels are beginning to show more and more power and more and more um, – they're becoming more and more brash in what they're doing, we all should be concerned. I think it's something all of us should be concerned about. What we're going to do just after 10 o'clock is we're going to talk a little bit about public safety. Um, there are some stories about what is happening with police departments across the country still happening, fentanyl coming into this country at an amazing uh, uh, amount, and one person at least that doesn't mind it happening in their city. We'll talk about it.